Basketball Podcast. Today I am joined by Harrison Liao. Harry, the Bulls just killed the Lakers, but in most the most important news of the day was Kobe White is now the Bulls' 15th man. How do we feel about what we just witnessed? It's the haircut. I don't think Billy's a fan. You know what? I, I wish I was telling my pops today. I was like, why doesn't he bring the fro back? I swear, if he brought the fro back, I think he would be in the starting lineup. It, it definitely is something to do with the hair. I almost didn't recognize him. And by almost didn't recognize him, I mean I recognize him immediately because I've been waiting for this moment to happen for months. So They just bury him in the corner. I mean, it's just – That's not uh, true. That's not true. That's not true. He caught the ball like twice in the second quarter and threw up some absolute garbage, got swatted at the rim. He's going to take some time to get back to his, his self. You know, I actually think Billy has a relative amount of confidence in him. He's just going to take some time to get, get back to 100%. That's what Billy was saying before the game. And Kobe has some time to get back to himself because the rest of the Bulls look really good. They just swept both L.A. teams in a back-to-back. Uh, Lonzo Ball tonight was incredible. DeMar DeRozan is playing out of his mind. Harry, when you watch the Bulls, what is like – a couple of your first initial thoughts about this team. It's that DeMar DeRozan at age 32 is a top five. No, he's, he's like, he's a, he's an MVP, like dark horse right now, for sure. He's getting bucks. Hannah hoops tweeted it today. She was like, DeMar DeRozan should win MVP. Hannah hoops is a legend. Um, you know, we're going to save the MVP, like the, the whole top five for when Yos is here, but do, do you think DeRozan is a top five candidate? Because I have him in my top five right now. I, I have him right outside the top five. Again, we're teasing a pod that's not going to happen yet. May never happen. Who knows? <laughs> but, um, I mean, I think DeRozan is playing so insanely well. And I think finally he's completely secured his identity as a basketball player. Yeah. His identity is – by the way, he's shooting threes again. I don't know. If, it's been an yeah. on and off relationship with shooting threes his whole career. But um, his identity is that he is an ISO scorer. He's going to sometimes draw two to the ball and make the correct pass to keep the offense flowing. But for the most part, he's going to be on an island, and you're going to be in a living hell. Like, he's going to do this little dribble, like, tween-tween, you know, soft little sidestep into his little step back from, like, 20 feet out. He's going to get into the teeth of your defense. He's just going to sit there in the soft spot of your defense and he's going to rise up for that mid-range jumper or, or fadeaway or whatever it is. And he's going to make the shot. Like, he's just not going to miss that thing. Like, it's almost – it's all, like, it's not – he's not Kevin Durant. But it's like when I watch him shoot from the mid-range, I'm legitimately shocked every time he misses a shot. Do you think how kids grow up now, like, emulating Steph Curry, do you think that any kids are going to watch DeRozan and kind of copy his game and we're going to have, like, a – uh, a throwback to the 90s style of basketball again? Hell no. <laughs> I mean, it's so beautiful, though, to watch him play, it's, but yeah. Dude, I mean, I just think he's – I mean, even when he was, like, in Toronto and at, at his athletic peak, like, winning dunk contests, he was an invisible star. I just think that, like, something about these guys, like Steph, whatever, like, they're so much louder than he is, yeah. you know? Like, he's he really is a quiet assassin, which is weird to say about – a 27, 28-point-a-game isolation scorer. Like, usually it would feel more prominent than it is. But like you said, watching him, it's so pretty. It is very pretty. What was not pretty is the Lakers. They are now 
eight and seven, I believe. Let me double check that really quick. Yes, eight and seven, and they are in seventh place in the Western Conference. So being in seventh means that they would currently be in the play-in tournament. What do you think is the big picture thoughts on this Laker team? Do you think they're a playing team? Do you think that they can sneak in? How are you feeling? I'm not feeling confident if I'm an LA fan, but good. Cause I fucking hate LA fans, but honestly, like it's strange. I mean, if you look at Anthony Davis's numbers, I think a lot of people want to put the blame on AD. I don't know. I don't follow a lot of, I prefer to keep LA Laker fan Twitter out of my Twitter feed because it's just a horrendous toxic, cesspool to be honest like they're so annoying i can't express how much i hate laker fans but anyways like i feel like a lot of people might be be you know saying like oh my god like anthony davis you're supposed to be the incumbent to lebron when he in 2054 retires um (laughs) but like you know anthony davis has good numbers i mean he's he's balling out he got ejected tonight after putting up 20 points in like three quarters but he's he's doing he's doing his regular scheduled programming um, the, the thing that I see with them is that everybody wants to talk about Westbrook too. I can't believe I buried the lead there. To me, it's the rest of the roster that's lacking. And I notice it when we have the meme Alex Caruso revenge game. Caruso didn't do a lot tonight, but he's been great for the Bulls. We see Kyle Kuzma having a career year with the Wizards. We see, you know, Yosef uh, mentioned Julius Randle earlier in the, in, the, in the group chat, like coming, not having a great start of the season, let's be honest, but coming off like, a sneaky all NBA season last year. I mean, you, you can go down the list. All of these rotation players, of course, Lonzo had the best game of his career maybe tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, all these former Lakers that they lost to construct this roster and then somehow dumping it after they won a title and being like, no, like we need to start fresh, which didn't really make any sense to me. It just feels like it's coming to bite them in the ass. And I, I don't feel like it's at the top. I feel like it's actually kind of in the middle or the, you know, kind of the rungs of the roster. How do you feel they stack up against the Clippers right now? Because the Clippers are the team in front of them, immediately in front of them in the standings. So if it was to be between those two, how are, how are you leaning right now? Let's assume LeBron is healthy because he's going to come back soon. And let's assume the Clippers are basically without Kawhi. Yeah, I mean, you said it. That's the funny thing. I, I favor the Clippers because I think yeah. that – I've said it before, but I think that with Kawhi, the Clippers are actually easily the best team in the NBA. I actually think the rest of the roster, they've carried a little continuity from the playoffs, mm-hmm. which is something I actually haven't seen from a lot of teams that I thought I would. Portland, Denver, uh, Dow- you, you can go down the list. Even Phoenix struggled early on. They're coming on really strong right now. But with, with, uh, with the Clippers, like I, I feel like they still have a lot of that special magical energy that they did when, the, when Terrence Mann was going crazy and you know Paul George looked like. Playoff P again, not pandemic P. You know, Reggie Jackson still doing the damn thing, which is yeah. a delight to see. But it's like, I don't know. Like, I feel a lot more confident in just the way that they play basketball than yeah. the Lakers. You know, when I watch them, I think, like, that's what a modern NBA team kind of looks like now. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I do want to see how, you know, if LeBron and Westbrook can even coexist. I think that that's going to be – we didn't answer that question because LeBron basically, I mean, it kind of looked like the answer was no, but by the time they were trying to gel, LeBron goes down. So we still don't know how in the heck they're going to match up together. And then adding in AD, the Lakers got Taylor Horton Tucker back tonight, which Laker fans assume, you know, he's going to help save them. 
somehow. And I, this is one of the most polarizing topics in our group chats is THT. And I know that you're, 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 let, let me, let me let you speak for yourself. How do you feel about THT? Is he like a top five guy on a, on a contending team? Like, can he be the fifth guy? If he, if he can, that's his ceiling to me. Okay. Like when I watch him play, I feel like he's one of those absolute peak Jekyll and Hyde players in the NBA where it's like, for two minutes, I'll be like, "What? Can someone explain to me what this guy does at a high level? Like, just one thing, one thing yeah. that um that he does at a very good level, not elite, very good." And then for the next two minutes, step back three, smooth, you know, euro in the lane, you know, nice little pocket pass or a dump off to the big man, and it's like, "Whoa, like what? I don't, I don't understand why. Not that this guy can't do that all the time, but why doesn't the return?" average somewhere in the middle of those two extremes like it's a very strange experience watching him that's how I feel about Lonzo Ball by the way a lot of times so but Lonzo is is, what a game to be clear yeah he played an amazing game tonight and he's a very high IQ player it's just sometimes it the pendulum swings with him and I just but regardless let's move past that for a second because I want to get your thoughts on the best team in the Eastern Conference because there's a lot of possible answers that you can give me I I we haven't talked about this before the pod I have no idea what you're gonna say right now who is your best team in the east listen guys the numbers don't lie oh god here we go I already know (laughs) when you say that I know where you're gonna go shout out to Denny of the uh the the guys no stop I can't not say this during a I'm not I'm never gonna be able to say this again (laughs) Washington Wizards have the top seed in the eastern conference are they tied with brooklyn or are they the sole no they're they're by themselves the washington the wizards evan brooks eat your fucking heart out He's <laughs> by the way but the washington wizards have sole possession of the first seed in the eastern conference i can't believe it i mean and i don't even know what's going on like brad beal is not shooting well i mean he's still bradley beal let's not get it twisted but the rest of the roster is just so like feisty yeah. And shit, this is not my answer for the best team in the East, to be clear. Oh, wow. What a... Dinwiddie is great. I mean, like, come on. I, I love watching the Wizards. Okay, my actual best team is boring. I mean, it's, it's still the Nets. Kevin Durant, okay. surprise, surprise, is still Kevin Durant. I mean, I, I saw a stat today. He's like, he's the leading scorer in the NBA right now. I think he leads the NBA in both points per game, points scored. And, but also, I think um, field goals made, like he's made the most shots out of out of any player in the league by a landslide and he's averaging i think he's like 60th in field goals attempted wow like this is kevin durant at his peak i don't know if people are watching what's happening but he's no yeah ridiculous it is ridiculous now if i was to phrase the question like this to you and said brooklyn or the field how would you lean would that change your answer definitely I, i think that's a great way to put it because I feel like, okay, segue, we might talk about the Hawks later, but like the Hawks have a terrible record right now, mm-hmm. Horrible. but I actually think they've played pretty decently. I think they have some glaring holes that like, I definitely want to talk about later, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if like play come playoff time, if Brooklyn is like a three seed and the Hawks are a six seed, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they upset them. Like, I, I just think that the, the NBA as a whole, not just the East is so freaking wide open right now. So. Yeah, that's that's how I feel as well. The East, you go down the list. Besides Detroit and Orlando, any mm. team can pretty much beat any team in a playoff series. 
maybe Brooklyn and Miami are not in that group. Maybe and Milwaukee, maybe they might be able to take out like a Charlotte or maybe like a Boston or, but every team is, is in it right now, which I can't remember a season that I felt like this. Do you remember a se- any season where it was 13 teams are fighting and now it's 10 playoff spots. Imagine if it was eight Imagine how like crazy it would be. If I was one of those teams fan bases, by the way, uh, listeners at home can't see us, but when Armand talks about the, uh, the, the, the dark horses of the East, the, you know, the, the long shots and, he, and a smile comes on his face. I know exactly, we know exactly who he's talking about. Oh my God. Cleveland baby. Chetty Osman easily in my top five for MVP. I mean, Cleveland is in a special, special place right now. But yeah, no, I, I, I agree with the sentiment that like, I think, I don't even, like, I really don't even think, do you think Boston, uh, do you think Brooklyn and Miami and Milwaukee are untouchable come playoff time? I don't. I think over the past two weeks, like the Miami mania has definitely subsided. I think each of those teams has serious, serious glaring holes, especially Milwaukee, especially Brooklyn missing Kyrie for what looks like it's probably going to be the whole year. I, I, don't, I don't think anybody's untouchable this year. I don't think there is a, an S tier. Maybe there's an A tier and an A minus tier, but I don't think that there's anything beyond that. I completely agree. And I think, okay, so if, if, if that's your top three, uh, Brooklyn, Miami, Milwaukee, the margin between them and who I think would be the next ones is like very, very minimal. And for me, the next ones would be Chicago, mm-hmm. Philly, mm-hmm. Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I want to see more consistency, but consistency. But I think the Knicks are in there too, and then, and then I think there's another drop off. I maybe the Wizards are in that group. Need a I need a bigger sample size for them. But like you said, Harry, it's literally like any one of those teams can beat any one of those other teams in a playoff series. Which is why if you're not watching NBA basketball this season, you're making a huge mistake because this is going to be the I we probably have said this every year that we've potted together, but this is going to be literally the craziest playoffs that we've ever seen because anything can happen. It wouldn't shock me if the Knicks are in the finals. It wouldn't shock me if Joel Embiid leads the Sixers to the finals. Nothing would shock me. Even seeing the Wizards make it to like the the Eastern Conference finals at this rate, you know, though actually the only thing that would shock me right now, as we talked about Cleveland, Cleveland, I do think, is going to be one of those teams that's going to fade a little bit just because wow. without Sexton, I don't know. Like, they, they, don't, they can't score. They can't score. They lost to Boston tonight. They put up, like, 40 points over the, the entire game. And a lot of that was Chetty, <laughs> <laughs> which is crazy. I mean, I don't think that that's sustainable, although they have one of the brightest mm-hmm. futures in the NBA, undoubtedly. Yeah. A lot of it was Chetty, but a lot of it was also – the best one-two punch in the NBA right now is Ricky Rubio and Chetty Osman. It's crazy. Hey, Rubio, had, Rubio had another 28 points tonight. He had 28 points and two assists. I wish oh, we could go you know, back to Halloween and just buy matching Rubio and Chetty jerseys <laughs> at a function. That would be the best costume. I want to talk about the Atlanta Hawks, though, because they are 6-9. and nine. They've now actually they've won two in a row. Um, on the road, this team is 1-8. and eight. They're currently in 12th place in the Eastern Conference. And, I mean, they're one game back of 10th. But what's your, like, concern level for the Hawks? What are your thoughts on the Hawks? Honestly, I'm, I'm at, like, a three or a four. Like, I, I was, but, but then I took a look at kind of 
what's played out for them this season. I think that the individual talent is so obvious. It's insane. I mean, you know, I'm not the biggest herder guy, contrary to like, you know, some of the things I say in our group chat, but I think that um, for that guy to be like your ninth best player or whatever he is, is kind of ridiculous. Cause you, you watch that guy sometimes and he'll, you know, come off a high screen and just fling this amazing pass or whatever to the corner. And you're like, Oh my God, that guy's like six, eight and he can shoot, you know? So like the, the talent is jumping off the page. I think the young guys, um, you know, we, we kind of got a sense of what Deandre Hunter was capable of last year, but Cam Reddish has started to really find his, his groove in a way that I'm going to be honest, I didn't even think it was possible for him. I completely sold all my Cam Reddish stock a long time ago. You know, Trey Young is still really, really, really fucking good. Like, really good. He has really not been affected by the rule changes at all or, like, the change in officiating, however you want to classify it. Um, to me, my entire concern level falls with Clint Capella. Okay. He had a decent game tonight. You know, the numbers are fine. But when I watch what happens with them, I think they struggle a lot with power, like, size and power teams. Actually, if you look at every single one of the losses, I'm not going to go through all of them, but you know, if, if you're interested at home, pull up the Atlanta Hawks losses. Literally every single one, they've lost to teams that don't have – either have dominant bigs or are built around size. You know, you're talking about Utah with Rudy Gobert. You're talking about um, – I can't remember some of their other – I think they just little, lost to Denver. Yeah, Denver with Jokic. You know, when, when these guys go up against um, – teams that have power and can just kind of override all the finesse and skill that they have, that's when they struggle. And um, I think that a big reason for their success last year was that with Capella, who's having a career year, you kind of just were able to, it was a wash every night. He's not going to outplay Jokic, but he's not going to be a liability. And this season, I just feel like watching them physically, he doesn't look the same to me. He's been getting pushed around a lot. Um, you know, he looks, half a step slower. He's never the fastest guy, but he's so long that he makes up for it. But, you know, I just feel like for them to get to where they're going, they need some kind of production from Capella. That's more than what he's giving them. Last night they played the Bucks and Eastern conference finals rematch. And um, they, they handled the Bucks pretty well. They, they controlled that game pretty much from start to finish. The thing that I was kind of, well, they, they did control them, and they, I think they beat them by 20. They had a huge, huge Trey Young night, like a gigantic Trey Young night. And I just wonder if this team, like, if they're at the level where they need that from Trey, do they need him to be, like, a superstar to win? Because, like you said, they have so much depth when a guy like Kevin Herter can be, like, your ninth best guy. It's kind of, like – is it necessary that Trey has to explode? Cause then you look at other great teams like a golden state and you have a guy like Steph who can more coast and then pick his spots to go off. He's been kind of like letting the role players develop into their roles. Atlanta, the point of I'm trying to make is that I don't know if they have that luxury this year, which is so weird because it looks on paper that they have all this talent. And then it's like, well, we still need Trey to go for 40. It's like, Who's going to, who do you think other than Capella, uh, maybe other than John Collins as well, who is it that needs to really step up for them to actually start winning more games? Is there a specific person? First of all, it's funny you say that because I feel like I almost, I look at it a different way. Steph 
is just better off the ball than Trey yeah. is. Yeah. He, he allows his team to not have to push everything through him like a little funnel, you know, which defenses can try to key in on, as you see with Trey. But with Trey, he's not that guy. Like, Trey has to put up 40 and 9 to be who he is, to be Trey Young, you know. So in that sense, like, no, I don't really see anything else working in that sense, even though I think there's guys with ball skills. Like, I think um, Bogdan Bogdanovich has more ball skills than people give him credit for, you know, although he's always hurt. Um, I'm not really sure who that is. I mean, John Collins is definitely not that guy, although in a lot of ways, like, I think John Collins is fucking amazing, and he's a much yeah. better NBA player than I gave him credit for before, and he's, like, kind of a perfect compliment to Trey. But at the end of the day, I just think the Hawks and Trey Young, Trey Young is built for the way that they play basketball right now. This is just kind of what it is. I mean, they're just going to go as far as he's going to be able to take them. Like, there's no really – there's nobody else that's going to take the load off more than what's happening right now. Yeah, that's kind of why I'm concerned about them. We'll see how they how they do without DeAndre Hunter. But you know what? We, we mentioned the East is 13 deep. If they don't right the ship immediately – it could get really, really funky later in the season. They might even miss the play. I don't know if they would miss the play-in tournament, but who are they going to take out? I mean, every team in the East is going to be competing this year, so it'll be interesting to see. But I know you had some questions and topics that you wanted to discuss as well, Harry, so go, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> You're pulling something up. First of all, the East is 15D. Motorcade just had, wow. had a nice little game tonight. I think he had like 25 points tonight. And Wendell so, with the goggles, yeah. Yeah, Goggle, Goggle, Wendell, and, and Mo Bamba are my second favorite one-two pairing to rookie rookie Eddie Osman. It's awesome. Um, I wanted to ask you what what's been your biggest surprise of the season so far? It can mean it can mean individual player popping off. It can mean individual player being horrendous. It can be, you know, a team or whatever or the rule change. Biggest surprise for me this season has been the incredible decline of De'Aaron Fox almost seemingly out of nowhere because like when I watched the Kings and granted I haven't actually sat there and watched a Kings game yet I just got league pass Harry we, we discussed this so I'm excited I will be tuning into more Kings games but just watching all the highlights of every game it just seems like is it crazy to say Harrison Barnes is their best player this season like it sounds crazy but like, all right, let's pull up the numbers really quickly. So we, uh, we see the disparity here. De'Aaron Fox is not their leading scorer. It's Harrison Barnes, 21 a game to De'Aaron's 20, basically. Uh, Barnes out-rebounds Fox, obviously. And Fox is averaging 20 and 6 a night. PER-wise, advanced stats, nerds, Harrison Barnes is 7 points higher than De'Aaron Fox. The biggest shock to me is Fox just looks like not only has he declined a little bit, it looks like all the, I don't know, he, he looks bulky. He looks bigger than last year. And it, it looks like the bulkiness cut into all of what made him so special, his speed, his ability to change directions and maneuver in the paint. It's really, really concerning because if he is not the swipe of the Fox that we know, that Sacramento team is so much worse than, I mean, their team is basically just a bunch of nice, solid players, but there's no like upper echelon level star. So that it would be the Kings. What about you? First of all, like PR man, white, like my 2004 me just 
absolutely jump for joy. I used to know the PER of every player in the league. Also, I feel like it, the P, advanced stats nerds are like over it now. Like they've moved past PER. They're like, wow, that was that was the advanced stat of like our youth. Um, I agree, dude. The Fox thing is so weird. That's a good one. I didn't even think about that. He looks. He definitely looks physically not the same. Like Different. slower, less yeah. explosive. Like I, f- it's weird that like I've been on instagram a lot and i haven't seen like a deer and fox like monster flying dunk down the lane i feel like that used to happen like monthly oh yeah weekly i think yeah it is strange i think my biggest has also been a negative individual player one yeah it's been um i mean he's coming around but for me the biggest thing has to be Harden. oh it looks similarly it looks like like there was a play that actually I think went viral because he got stripped from uh I think Scotty Barnes stripped him or something. Oh no! Oh yeah. Else. But I he it um it, see it's happened multiple times. But like he did his little dribble dribble tween 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 thing. Like try to has he fucking try to blow by? And it used to be nobody could stay in front of him. Nobody, not even like not, Draymond couldn't stay in front of him. Like yeah. individually, you you could not do it. It was it was an impossible task, and it would warp everything a defense had to do. Like, even in the playoffs, people want to call him a choker or whatever. But guess what? That shit still worked in the playoffs. It's yep. just the other shit didn't work. That, to me, has just not been here this season. And I know the other night he had a shit ton of threes. He's still an amazing passer. I think he's, like, second in the league in assists. But it's not the numbers to me. It's, it's just the fact that he looks like he's lost, like, almost all of his burst. Yeah. Which, okay, all of a sudden that makes the equation of Kyrie not coming back really interesting. Because before – if we're talking about James Harden being a top five player and Kevin Durant being the best player in the league, you can get away with whatever the fuck you want with the rest of the roster. Great. LaMarcus Aldridge has 20 points every <laughs> six months. You know, Patty Mills is doing Patty Mills things. God bless yeah. him. But if Harden's going to be this guy and not the other guy, I don't know. That's, that becomes like a very different conversation. I love that one. Cause that's, um, that's been the glaring thing with that team is that, you know, Durant, like you were saying earlier in this pod is, literally playing out of his mind and all he needs is just the Harden from last year he doesn't need Houston Harden he just needs a reliable well not playoff Harden but he needs you know regular season just standard Harden and it's funny because it's not it's not inconceivable that that guy is gone forever Um, which means that if that is the case it means that Patty Mills, LaMarcus Aldridge, Paul Millsap, Blake, Blake Griffin, they're all going to need to – Joe Harris, they're all going to need to step up even more. And a lot of those guys that you're counting on to step up are in their mid to late 30s, and it's just not really conceivable to see that, which is why, going back to the earlier topic, is why I think we both would lean with the field um, in regards to the Nets. But that hardened one is a good one. Uh, can I ask you to do me a quick favor? Yeah. Can you pull up the standings, right? Because uh, I wanted to touch on one last topic for this pod. I was looking at the standings actually right now, and the Western Conference, um, the play-in tournament, right? Let's assume when you look at the play-in tournament right now, it goes Lakers are seventh, Grizzlies are eighth, Trailblazers are ninth, and the Kings are tenth, right? Um, let's assume that the Lakers, the Grizzlies, and the Trailblazers, you can actually assume whatever you want, Harry, let's assume I'm going to assume that those three are going to make it. And I assume that they're going to pull away from the rest. What, what combination, my question was going to be, who's the 10th seed. Maybe you have a whole different combination, but 
for me, I look at the 10th seed with teams like Sacramento, OKC, Minnesota, San Antonio, even the freaking Pelicans. I'm not going to say the Rockets because they're horrible. Um, is there what team do you think is going to finish in 10th? Because that's going to be a race. It's the opposite of the East. It's going to be like a race to the bottom. And then somebody's just going to freaking, I guess, sneak in there probably. I don't know what's going to happen. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to start the other way. Like, I know who's not going to make it. The Rockets fucking suck. They're so bad. They're 1-13 and 13 right now. The Pelicans are terrible. They're not going to make it. I'm sorry. I'm They're not just... giving up. I'm not <laughs> giving up. Uh, I'm, I'm out. You can have my Pelican stock. Um, the Spurs, DeJounte Murray, great season, breakout season. I don't see it. To me, it comes down to the Ant-Man uh, and Talents, who's finally woken up and been like, oh, look, I'm making – $7 billion a year to play for this stupid fucking team. Maybe I should act like I'm actually worth that much money. I'm not mm-hmm. saying he's like, you know, the number one guy in a title team, but he's, he's finally like, okay, let me go out and earn this bag. Um, OKC, I think Shea has just is really fucking insanely good. And Lou mm-hmm. Dort, Lou Dort's been great. I don't know. I could see OKC being pulling off like a little run where they get a bunch of teams that are, on the second night of a back-to-back, and they're like, they've only circled the first leg of that because they're just not even, the OKC is like a G League team to them or whatever. And OKC just comes in, they're like, oh, really? You know, okay, we're just going to run past you. Um, I'm not going to lock in the Trailblazers. I'm not going to do it. You can't make yeah. me do it. Damian Lillard, look, I'm the biggest Lillard guy in the world. I've stood up for him, you know, not more than a week and a half ago, how things change. But like, dude, it's... All right, man. We're getting to we're getting to that point of the season where this is now a semi significant amount of data to show that uh, similar to the other guys we're talking about, De'Aaron Fox and Harden. I just don't see he can't get to the rim as much as easily right now, and that really hampers how teams defend his step back. Because that was the thing before is like Lillard could peak Damian Lillard wasn't just a shooter; he could get to the cup whenever he wanted. And if CJ McCollum is now your number one option. I'm not locking in the Trailblazers. I'm not going to do it. So what are you but, doing? Uh, are you going – so is Minnesota one of them? Yeah. Give me – Minnesota is, is possible. Blazers is possible. Thunder is possible. We're talking about that 10 spot. Well, if you're going to count the Blazers, I guess it would be two spots. Because yeah, be it would be spots. nine and ten. Hmm. The, the, why are the Kings six and eight? I, I actually don't understand this at all. They're not like they're just like so up and down, and it's just a weird, weird. I mean, that's what the Kings are, though. This is just a weird group. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you mention OKC because they probably should be in that Houston category, but they just they compete, what? man. Exactly. They compete. It's crazy because they literally are like a G League team, and somehow they're five and eight. So could you imagine if the Thunder sneak into the playoffs? I don't think – I, you know, if – Timmy, if you've made it this far, Oklahoma City was supposed to be, like, horrendous. The fact that they can compete for a play-in spot – and, again, I'm not saying they can or can't. It's way too early. But if they end up competing, I think their coach has to be in the Coach of the Year discussion. I Who think that coach? Mark Dagnalt, I think is how you pronounce his name. I hope I got that, that was, right. That was impressive. I'm not going to lie. Thank you. I did not know the answer to that question. Um, 
you should see yeah it's crazy because he coaches them like a like a mid-major college team and it's just like I love the energy of that team I hate the team I hate watching them they're so like oh god they're not good dude but listen like they're like you said they're feisty and they have swagger like Shea Gilders Alexander for better or for worse he wants to win a scoring title (laughs) yeah he does they just beat Sacramento too the other night they just Dude, there it is. That's that's your that's your play-in uh, last spot preview. Exciting, musty TV. Now, can I ask you why are you just done with the Pelicans? We're not going to let Ingram and Zion get get back. Are you just that out? You're out. Zion. You notice Valanciunas, man. Come on, Zion. Zion is um. Zion's been eating a flavor boom. We'll just put it that way. Oh wow. It's it's a definitely a dysfunctional situation. It's so like the rest of the teams are so freaking mediocre to bad in that race. Do you not see any scenario where the Pelicans, who are by the way currently two and thirteen, <laughs> can I no. can I give you a story before we continue real quick? Yeah, hit me. When the Bulls were like, it was like oh four oh five, one of those years. They had Scott Skiles as their coach. They started the season zero and nine, and it was they didn't have a Zion or a Bi. But they had, I think, whoever their best players were. I think their top two guys were injured. They ended up making the playoffs. So it's not like it's never happened before. And the East, just like kind of the West now, the East was horrible in the mid two thousands. But I want to hear. Do you? I just want to cross off. I want to say something. The the no, absolutely not. The other teams that we're talking about actually enjoy playing basketball with each other. That's that's a very valid point. Very yeah, valid point. Pelicans are out here. Like, I mean. It's it's ugly. Last topic that I want to discuss with you, uh, if you have anything, you're more than welcome to, Harry. But I want to ask you, is this Rockets team in that same category as the process Sixers, the trust the process Sixers? No, I still love watching the Rockets play. They're just really horrible at playing NBA basketball. Well, yeah, we we, we like watching them play. But I'm saying, yeah, in terms of just like – Or the quality of, of the basketball quality. on here. How bad is it? That team was bad. That That team was, like, really, really fucking bad. Oh, no. Nothing can compare to that. I mean, that was – what a joy that season was to watch. It was – that was my most fun I've ever had watching Tony Roten and company just – I think they almost beat the Bulls, too, when the Bulls needed a win to make the playoffs. It was – that team was freaking ridiculous. I really wanted Tony Roden to have, like, a Javante Green-like role on a team. I still have hope for him. I'm gonna be. I have so much. I'm so awash with Bulls, uh, good vibes. Like they're, they're in Amazing. me right now. The Javante DJJ front court. Yep. Okay. Can we give Billy Donovan coach of the year? I take back everything I said about him. He's he, no joke. He needs to be in the running right now because what he's he done with them. They're the three seed, right? They are tied for second, half a game behind first. And um, and then they're on a West Coast road trip right now. They're going to go into Portland on Wednesday and into Denver on Friday. So those two are going to be great games for them. Um, is there anything else that you want to discuss before we get out of here? Yeah, the last thing is, and speaking of the Bulls, is that um, yeah, uh, somebody just – oh, sorry. Ramona Shelburne just tweeted this one minute ago. Oh, sorry. This is via Malika Andrews. To illustrate the Bulls' unselfish mentality, DeMar DeRozan says of Zach Levine, he was trying to force me to get 40 tonight, and I told him I was tired. And if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about the Chicago Bulls, nothing else will. 
exactly what I mean. Only thinking about statistics. <laughs> I love how you plot twisted that at the end. I was so happy, and then you just you <laughs> you threw a little Levine jab. I love that. I was gonna say something else about uh, the Bulls being unselfish. Is um, the, at the end of the third quarter, there was point like five on the clock, and they were inbounding the ball ninety four feet away, and they threw it into Lonzo, who was right next to it. And the Bulls are up by twenty. Game is in hand, and Lonzo chucks a full court a hook shot, which you know we all talk about how guys want to save their percentages and all that. And then you have the beloved Lonzo Ball just <laughs> just tanking his percentage for a chance to add three points to the score. This team is really unselfish. They do have that like that kind of like brotherhood, which is crazy because they're all brand new pretty much with each other, which is very rare to see. But you know what? That's not what that was about. Lonzo shooting that shit was fuck you, LA. <laughs> I think he was just aiming in the crowd to try to take somebody yeah. out. Like it wasn't really a shot at him. If he accidentally made it, he's like, yeah, let's let's win by 60. I mean, exactly. Run that a, you know? a missile that he was yeah, exactly. shooting exactly. at Staples Center. No, um, I love the energy coming from this team though, for sure. It is it is a joy to watch. Uh tomorrow we got a big Nets Warriors game. Are you going to be tuning into that, Harry? I know, uh, you yeah, know, dude. it's going to be a very, very that might be the top two teams in the league. Is that in? Is that in? Uh... It's in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah, probably the game of the year up to this point. I have a feeling those two teams are not going to be our everybody's consensus wow. best team in the league by the end of the year. But I do think that those two guys are going to finish one, two, and MVP, which is going to be kind of Curry and KD. A very annoying storyline to follow. Yeah, you're referring. Yeah, you're saying Stephen Durant. I really think those two guys. This, this might be the last thing I say on this pod before I turn to a pumpkin. I really think those two guys, in some order, you can pick in order, are the most gifted offensive talents that the league has ever seen. I don't hate that comment at all. I think that it's a very. You can definitely say that and um and i honestly might agree with that comment i think um you know god rest his soul kobe bean would be in that discussion um a couple other guys probably would be in there but Rubio. <laughs> that's that's a great way to end this one listen we missed you yosef nasser we're gonna get you back on in the next episode we got to do this again soon harry um you let me know when you can come back all right peace brother Peace.